At photographycourse.net, you'll be able to swap your expertise with other photographers, make light instead of wishing for it, expand your portfolio, and receive feedback from professionals, all of which will develop your artistic eye. Photographycourse.net offers an abundance of premium courses and challenges for participants at every stage of their journey, from technical settings for portrait photography, to landscape composition tricks, to how to start your own photography business, we have everything you need to start shooting confidently. You can work at a pace that suits you. Our 52-week project challenge will provide you with the educational resources, encouragement, and support that you need to take great photographs every week. You can join us at any time as our themes are evergreen. You can also start by shooting every day and learning something new with our 365 Days of Photography course. Led by an industry expert who has mentored over 10,000 students, this course will help you take your photography skills to the next level with daily, bite-sized videos. Throughout the process of learning, you'll have access to a community that will provide you with inspiration and motivation. Get encouragement from other photographers every single day. Our current limited time offer comes with a special discount code exclusive to the listeners of this podcast. Get 50% off your first year as a premium member. Claim this discount by going to photographycourse.net and entering the coupon code PODCAST. Come join photographycourse.net and capture more than just a moment. Hello everyone, my name is Taya and I'm the host of Great Big Photography World Podcast, where we interview notable photographers in the industry, give advice on a wide variety of topics, and provide tips for beginners and professionals alike. In this episode, I speak with Stephen Barkus, who is one of our community members and ambassadors. Stephen takes stunning photos of people, landscapes, animals, and more, and he shares his story in this episode in a very touching and humorous way. We talk about his beginnings as a photographer, what it was like to shoot back in the days of film, and much more. Please enjoy. Hi, Stephen. Welcome to Great Big Photography World Podcast. I'm so happy to have you here. Please introduce yourself to the listeners. Hi, Tyler. It's great to be here. This is really an honor to be asked to do something like this. But my name's Stephen Barkis. I live in Austerville, Mass., on an island called Cape Cod. My background includes uh, portraits of uh, children, pets, families. I also ran a business called Little Faces. I also did college graduations, harness racings, and I actually worked for uh, Associated Press to be a film runner for NFL games at the uh, Buffalo Bills Stadium for a couple of years. So that was kind of cool. Very cool indeed. I'm so happy to see you on the podcast. To anyone who's listening who doesn't know Stephen, we've mentioned him many times on the podcast. He's famous. (laughs) (laughs) He's a part of the community and he has been submitting photos to the 52-week project. He, He has joined other courses as well. He's also one of our ambassadors and he's such an important member of our community because he's so active and he's always giving us suggestions and sharing his amazing photos with us. So I'm really happy to have you here, Stephen. Once again, thank you for taking the time to speak with me today. Thank you. What camera equipment do you use? Uh, I have a Nikon 5100. I have a a couple of lenses of 50 to 200, a uh, 90 millimeter uh, macro, uh, 55 to 300, and uh, 18 to 55. When I did film photography, I, I used to have a Minolta and a Canon. Very interesting. Minolta. I've heard a lot of good things about Minolta cameras. I don't know where I heard that information, but I just have a good association with them. Did you enjoy using those kinds of cameras? Yeah. 
I grew up with it. Uh, Minolta kind of disappeared because they didn't get up, keep up with the uh, digital, I guess. But uh, no, they gave me uh, great pictures when I needed them. The Canon EOS was the other one. Once digital came out, uh, film was getting expensive. Kodak was cutting down on their film. I um, got into digital at that point. Very interesting. And we'll talk more about the transition later. But when you first got into photography, it was back in the days of film. So how did you discover your passion for it? My father had a Voigtlander, which is a two and a quarter camera film. And you had to look down at the camera because the, the screen would open up. And I used black and white. I would cut lawns to get film to use it. And then um, I would have to you know, wait to send it out. And so he built me a uh, dark room. Because he used the camera when he was in the war. Uh, I have a bunch of his pictures. A thing to uh, develop the um, the pictures. And uh, I set it up where I could um, do the baths to uh, process the uh, different uh, photographs. And what was great about it is uh, you could you got to see it as it came alive. And uh, and you see the pictures and like, oh, cool. This, is, uh, this came out pretty good. That's kind of where I got hooked on it. Um, just being able to create your own photos right in front of your own eyes. It was also great. You're in solitude by yourself and you have a little red light on and and you have the smell of the film cameras and, or the uh, chemicals. It was great. I, I really enjoyed it. I think it's really exciting definitely to have a little space where you can develop film, where you can see your photos come to life. I think in digital photography, Things are obviously easier now and better, thankfully, but you don't really have the same feeling because you can take as many photos as you want. So I'm always fascinated by film photography because it's a very different process. And I think it forces you to be more mindful and more patient as well. Well, when you were you know, developing the photo, you had to use pieces of paper or cardboard and, and turn the light on and off as you're exposing the paper to block this or increase this, you know, where now you just do a slider or hit a button. And if you look at Ansel Adams, one of his pictures, he had like 17 things he had to do to get that picture to look like that. And uh, so it was a really technique that not a lot of people can do anymore. And uh, I was glad to be able to do that when I was younger, not like Ansel Adams did, but now I have luminant neo and um i think i'm a little better at that now than i was with the darkroom i think that your editing and photography skills are always improving and it's always interesting to see the kinds of ideas you come up with the kinds of techniques you discover i like also that you're very open about that in the community and you share your process so i think it's uh it's great that you got to experience both worlds and now you found something that works well for you and that you are confident in once I got into the darkroom and stuff, uh, a few years later, I, I said, you know, I think I'll go to school for this. And so I went to New England School of Photography in Boston, and I, I took up like black and white portraits, photojournalism, and the art of printing and like the zone system. There wasn't a lot of different courses you could take because it wasn't digital. But one of the teachers I had, his name was Peter, who worked for Life magazine. Uh, he was a journalist. I remember around 10 years old, I was looking at a picture of a tiger coming out of the water. And Peter is the one who took the pictures. I got to be taught by him. I thought that was kind of cool. 
Very cool indeed. That must have been a very interesting experience. Now, you talked about film and you briefly mentioned the transition from film to digital and that it was difficult to find film and it was starting to get more expensive. So how did the transition from film to digital affect your attitude as a photographer? When I got my uh, digital camera, my kids gave it to me for uh, Christmas uh, a bunch of years ago. I noticed that film is a restrictive type of uh, a product where you have 24 36 shots so you have to be careful of what you're shooting because then you have to develop it and it costs a lot of money to keep doing that uh and you have to wait for the product to come back in from the mail if you don't do your own where digital i can look at the picture right away i i could just sit there and put it on blast and just do 30 30 pictures and look at one of them and say oh okay that's a good one and you have more options you can change your your iso from 200 to 3200 go back to you know uh, iso 100 it depends on what you're shooting at that very moment so i i just found it just had um, much more uh, options to uh, to do and then you have your editing editing which is like a photoshop and uh like what I did with my son uh, floating in the air, I, I removed his chair or I can uh, add a background or uh, yeah, you couldn't do that in the old days. So, yeah, I got hooked really good on digital. And uh, but it took a long time for me to understand what was in front of me of what you could do. And I could never understand Photoshop either, but I tried. Yeah, you tried. And now you have Luminar Neo, right? So I think you've found a software that works for you. I don't think Photoshop needs to be used by every photographer. Maybe this is a bit of a controversial opinion, <laughs> but I think you have to find a software that works for you, that you are comfortable with. Every program has its own settings and every photographer is different. We have different expectations when it comes to editing as well. So I think it's just, you, you have to embrace your own comfort zone when it comes to that. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. You've contributed a lot of amazing content to our community, and we're very grateful for that. It's always a pleasure to see your progress, especially in the 52-week project. What are the biggest changes that you've noticed in yourself after joining the community? After I joined, uh, I started to, um, I look forward to being a photographer again. And I think the 52-week course is uh, what got me going. I was learning how to do stuff I never even thought of doing, like still life panorama other types of lessons that you get gets you to understand what your camera can do and what you can do with editing and and create these pictures that you see other people do in the magazines and and having new assignments in the challenge of uh, the uh, the course I, ne I never did or, or have haven't done in a while uh, kind of brought up stuff I used to do as a, a kid that kind of it's been starting to get my creativity again going and i feel a little more confident that i can do better pictures than when i was first started uh because i look at you know the first five or ten uh, lessons i took and like <laughs> those are pretty wimpy but um i push myself now to do better than i used to so um and I like the planning, the shooting, the editing, you know, and then I also like working with other photographers and seeing how they they uh, expand. And uh, and like I see you talking about different photographers where you say, you know, I can see the difference in the work and you can 
you, you can um, actually see all, all the photographers, you know, even the ones that just started, uh, you know, when they're in their first couple of courses, um, they're getting out there because they're getting people talking to them going, that's a great picture, Stephen. Uh, you know, if you did this or that or tried doing that, they'll come back and they'll do what you said and, and uh, you see the uh, results. So um, being involved is not just a photographer, but uh, working with the community, being able to offer input and, and uh, interact with the people is uh, something I lacked. I didn't want to go into a, a room with photographers, you know, for a club and sit there for three hours and, and, uh, and then that's it. I'm kind of like a loner. This way, when I'm mentally ready, I, I go in and, and talk to people and look at stuff. Other times, uh, I don't have to be there, uh, you know. Uh, so uh, I guess when I started, I thought, like I said before, it would be uh, I shoot pictures and, and someone would give me an opinion and, and then uh, it would be off to the next assignment. But it's more than that. It's I have friends now. I look forward to talking to and, and I get great information how to get better at my work and and um and i also get to give opinions to um other photographers that that might help them and they appreciate it too so yeah it's been great i am happy really happy that i joined and we're also very happy that you joined and everything you said makes sense i think it's so exciting to see updates from other photographers and to know that people will look at your work and provide you with constructive criticism. It definitely feels like a real community that's online. And I'm so happy to know that you are enjoying it. And thank you for sharing all of those things. I remember you once mentioned in our community that you had to take a break from photography because of other responsibilities in your life. And I'm sure that a lot of the listeners can relate to this because we all get busy or something happens and we just can't really focus on our hobbies anymore. What advice would you give to someone who's going through something similar right now? I actually stopped. I just got burnt out from doing all those groups I did in my photography days of families and graduations and stuff like that. And and then I kind of just really picked up my camera, you know, unless there was just taking pictures of my kids or, you know, going on vacation stuff. But I didn't go out to do what I'm doing now and but another reason was uh, about six years ago I uh, developed a heart problem and about three years ago I spent like 12 hours in an emergency trying to figure out what was wrong with me and I they told me I had a collapsed heart so while I was in ICU I had a stroke and I lost the ability to speak luckily um, it came back slowly over the last about 10 days 10 days later you you wanted to say stuff, but you couldn't, and it was real frustrating. Now I understand people who have really massive strokes. You're in a different world, and uh, I was lucky to get out of that. So I have about ninety percent of my speaking ability. I'll I'll have stuttering parts, or uh, my brain will shut off, and I can't come up with the words, or I can't say certain letters sometimes. Uh, I, so I was told that I need to exercise my brain you know, like knitting or puzzles or, and that's when I decided to go back into photography again. I said, well, I've been thinking about it. And so I started looking online for something to join. And, uh, you know, I figured I'm not going to do this alone. I, it's just too boring by yourself. And, and I found um, photographycommunity.net. 
I, you know, it had more than I expected. First thought, it, I, I would get to meet people around the world and, and uh, share my photography uh, with them and see their stuff. That kind of got me into uh, becoming a photographer again. And uh, I, I became an ambassador, which is kind of cool. Uh, it helped me become a better photographer, and I'm, I, I'm now experiencing new ways of shooting. So my advice is to join a club just like this one. Talk to people. That's the most important. I think it's great advice because if you do everything on your own, then naturally it's going to feel lonely. Or the, I know some photographers are okay with that. So again, to each their own. But if you do feel like you're missing a community to anyone who's listening, then definitely find a photo club or an online community that you can join that will help you make some new friends and get some feedback. And I think the good thing about communities is that they don't, well, many of them, at least the ones I know, they don't force you to post every single day, right? And in our community, there's a lot of freedom as well. So whenever you do have time, just posting once a week or once every few weeks, that can also make you feel like you're a part of something, can give you something to look forward to. And overall, it's just very motivating, I think, to have a bunch of people who are genuinely supporting you. Yes, it is. And um, even in life, you know, uh, not dealing with photography, you, you need people to uh, connect with, help you uh, get through these crazy times. Absolutely. Yes. And I just wanted to say thank you for sharing your personal story with the listeners and with me. I think that, uh, well, first of all, it's amazing that you are feeling better now. I'm really glad that you were able to overcome that struggle. And I'm so happy that you got back into photography as a result of that. And that it has helped you exercise your brain and make new friends. And also just most importantly, enjoy the process of taking photographs again. Because I think people go through highs and lows. Just because you like someone doesn't take photos anymore doesn't mean they won't take them in the future. There are phases in our lives. And so I'm happy that you are now content with your photography and that you are pursuing that passion actively. Yeah, uh, thank you. Your portfolio is diverse, but you often focus on landscapes and nature. What advice would you give to aspiring nature photographers who want to get better at compositions? I, I really don't have a, uh, a set system. I, I, you know, I use the rule of third and I try to have leading lines and, but basically I look at my, in my view and I, what is Steve like? What looks cool? And uh, that's my composition. Maybe I have past experience that are just in my head from my other jobs. I just look at a lot of uh, compositions of famous uh, photographers, landscaping, and I, I try to see what made their folder, photos stand out more than others. And then I look at my photos. Does it have emotions? Does you know? Does it project something that uh, people may uh, like, but I try to take photos now just what Stephen likes, not not like, will this make it into a, a contest or maybe this will make a magazine. Uh, but if I, I, I started doing that and it's what I like and I think helps me have a better composition and I try to take different angles, uh, you know, uh, I get closer, I, I, I kneel down, get lower to the picture. And, uh, and you can look at your pictures before you leave where you are to say, uh, I think that's what I like, or uh, I better stay, stay here a little bit longer. But 
the biggest thing is shoot what you like, take different angles, and uh, and um, enjoy yourself. And um, you're not going to get. I guess Ansel Adams says all the pictures he takes every year, he'll get six out of them that is really great. You actually interviewed a photographer doing uh, uh, National Geographic and said something like 3,000 pictures, 36,000 pictures, and he might just get a half a dozen. That's what it takes to um, really get a good picture. Not every picture is going to be great. They'll be great for the family stuff but if you want you know where you put it on your wall those are the special ones i completely agree with you and i think it can be quite daunting to think of it that way but i like your perspective a lot because you prioritize the joy that you get when you take photographs and you prioritize your unique vision as a photographer and i think that's much better than just trying to fit in a box or trying to appeal to a certain audience. And I don't want to make this sound negative. I think that's for a different kind of photographer. Some people do have that as a priority. But for me personally as well, because photography is my hobby, I also find a lot of just joy in taking photographs just for the fun of it without worrying about rules or any of that. I just try to trust my intuition. So it is nice to meet someone who has a similar approach. Well, I, I find it cool when I'm looking at the 52-week course and you do videos and I watch how you're showing us what you're looking for for that that course section. But just watching how like your cat and your cat is photogenic, but it's fun to watch you outside and you're, what you're doing, just shooting. You're just casually shooting and, and then showing us the pictures. And that's about, to me, the correct way. Yeah, I think it's nice to just enjoy yourself. And it's easy to get stressed with any kind of hobby, especially if you're a perfectionist. For me, I remember for a long time, I was a perfectionist. And I used to think, well, if I take this photo, it doesn't look that great. It won't look good online. You know, it just <laughs> falls that rabbit hole, which is really, it takes the joy away from it. I don't think that's the point. So yeah, you have to really enjoy yourself and be okay with making mistakes because sometimes the mistakes can make a photo look even better. Yeah, you are also one of our podcast listeners, and I'm super grateful for you, to you for that because you often share feedback on the episodes that we post in the community, and I just genuinely appreciate that you take the time to listen to the podcasts. I would love to know how much you've benefited from listening to podcasts in general. I find it a great way to to learn about photographers out there and what what they do and what it takes to get those pictures and. I mean, some of them are just like, how the hell did they get that? And then when I see it printed up from editing, uh, I'm still trying to figure out how they get those deep uh, tones in their pictures. And um, I mean, the last couple I listened to, um, there was one about a, a surfer who um, took pictures in that the waves. And he told us it took six months to do this one wave. And it's like... I thought they would just go out there in their surfboard and just shoot it, and then that was it. But no. Um, and then also we have um, one who's a, a wildlife photographer. Uh, his name's Perrin, and uh, he's out there, and he, he lives in the woods, and and uh, and he talks about how he gets the photos. He's a he's a great writer when he talks about it too. We get to see um, nature in a different way from him. And then there's uh, Rob who. Uh, he, he did a, a, a photo shoot and uh, 
I learned about macro, uh, you know, and how to do it. You just blast away and keep moving back and forth. And I finally got a spider to look like a spider. And um, and Rob's also the uh, person who pushes me to become a better photographer without knowing. I see his work along with other people's work, and I I, I tell myself that. I, I can't put that out. I have to do something better than that. That's that's kind of lame. And uh, so I thank Rob for uh, pushing me without knowing it. And then there's the National Photographer uh, from um, National Geographic and what he's doing with his life, just taking pictures to share uh, all the animals and insects that are out there that are disappearing. So you get to learn a lot. And I'm sure there's, uh, there's 140 plus podcasts there that talks about from infants to ballerine, baller, baller, uh, I'll forget that word. <laughs> That's one word I can't say today. You just get to see different styles and people's works and, and, uh, and you do a great job at, uh, asking questions and stuff. And, uh, it's, it's fun. I listen to it on my car on the way to, to and from work. I get half half the podcast as I go to work and then the rest of it when I come back home. And so it's a nice drive along the beach, which I get to do. Well, thank you for sharing all of that. I'm really happy that you liked those particular episodes. So to anyone who's listening, the surf photographer is Russell Ord, and then Robert Morton is the macro and wildlife and portrait photographer. And then Perrin Adams is the wildlife and travel photographer. And Joel Robison is the, no, Joel... Sartori, sorry, is the National Geographic photographer. So, yeah, I mean, shout out to Robert. When I had an interview with Robert Morton, we gave a shout out to you. So now it's our turn to give a shout out to Robert. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, Robert. We hope you're enjoying the episode. Thank you for, again, for listening to the podcast and for also really taking the time to listen to the interviews to get to know the photographers. I'm really happy that you enjoy listening to their stories and that you share your thoughts with us in the community. And well, speaking of podcasts and everything else that you're doing in the community and beyond, you're always learning and improving. And I believe that everyone has their own learning style. So in your experience, what has been the most effective approach when improving your photographs? I take many courses like uh, black and white, or uh, I'm taking a course on uh, editing for Lumina Neo, um, I, it, there's just too many things in there, how to do certain things. And like when I was doing my son being in a, a chair and then floating, I had to get rid of the chair. There was a, a quick um, editing uh, teaching of, uh, that showed you how to do it. And I watched it like 10 times and I, I probably did, it took me a week over a course of uh, a week to uh, finally get the chair not to be there and made it look more natural. And so you have YouTube to help you uh, learn different styles. And when there's a, a lesson, like there was um, uh, levitation, I'll go with that one again. I just looked at what other photographers did, and you know, um, so I could get an idea of, of, of levitation. So I use YouTube a lot. I use other people's photography, photography skills to look at, to give me ideas. And then I just get out and shoot, do the best I can and, and uh, work on the editing. And you learn from your good and bad photography photos. You 
you sit there and look at it on your screen, you're like, I should have watched that tree. That that's going to affect the uh, picture, or um, uh, the sky just wasn't good. And but with editing, you can add new skies to it. But if you want to be a true photographer and, and you just you wouldn't, uh, then you you would go back and get it at a different light. That's the other thing. Uh, the lighting of I'm trying to learn to shoot in certain types of uh, lighting to get the pictures, which I think I'm getting down pat. But I guess what I'm trying to say is um, just use YouTube and and type in what you're trying to uh, learn. Doing a course like uh, photographycourse.net, they help you learn new ways to uh, shoot photography and then and then talking to other photographers, uh, whether online or in person, it also helps you with your experience. And uh, just basically shooting and and looking at your pictures and learning. That's kind of how I do it. Yeah, thank you for the great suggestions and ideas. Whenever I watch editing tutorials, I also need to rewatch them at least 10 times because there's just so much to cover. Yeah. There's just so many tools. Even if it's a simple program that's free, it still has so many adjustments. When it comes to layers as well, that's a completely different universe to make sure to put the layers in the right place. And I think it's something a lot of people struggle with. And I, it's just a skill that needs to be improved. When I finally do understand how a certain technique works in Photoshop, for example, I'm very proud of myself. <laughs> like, finally, after <laughs> this. So it's, it's, um, I like that editing and photography go hand in hand in some people's lives because you are improving different kinds of skills, but they help each other in a way. Yeah, it, it uh, helps you think. And um, sometimes I'll, I'll I'll just like myself in my, I have like a, a, a man cave, I call it. It's just a room with photography stuff. It's a, it's my escape. And uh, I'll, I'll work on my life. My photographs or my uh, editing or, or go online to talk about uh, photography with you know the community so yeah it's fun yeah i can imagine yeah i think it's really nice to have your own space we were talking about dark rooms earlier but i think in general like in digital photography you can also have a little studio where your computer is sitting and you can just edit or take photos. It's just really nice. It doesn't need to be professional. It doesn't need to be expensive. Just knowing that you have a certain place that is just yours can be very comforting. I was thinking while you're doing editing with Photoshop or whatever, you could have the red light that used to be in the dark room and then have a candle that has the smell of the candles, uh, the chemicals. And, you know, that might be cool. Yes, you're right. Yeah, just to create that feeling. Yeah, <laughs> to go back to the, the days of film. I think that would be interesting. That's a good idea. I've never heard that before. <laughs> I just haven't found a candle that smells like chemicals except the Clorox. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it would be interesting to smell that for a second, but maybe not longer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then it sounds like a bathroom. So that, that doesn't work. Yeah. What advice would you give to photographers who want to get better at taking portrait photos? Well, when I did portrait photos, uh, we, we did it in a, um, like a Kmart. I'm not sure you have Kmarts or a department store. And back then, people didn't go to uh, photographers, you know, and go to the beaches and stuff like that. And and cameras weren't really big back then. We're talking the 70s. And um uh, 
so they would go to a department store. And so um, we were traveling uh, photographers. You know, we just have a bunch of equipment and there was a group of us and we worked in New England, Pennsylvania and New York. It was set up and then um, you'd go in the microphone and say, hey, Kmart, um, Drones and Personnel is here today. We have two 8x10s, two 5x7s and 16 wallets there for $29. And uh, come on down, you know, and then you would get like maybe 15, 20 a day, or you could have 150 uh, uh, portraits of families you would have to do from kids to uh, 10 or 12 people. Sometimes they would bring a chicken or depends on what part of the states you were. And you only had a certain amount of time to uh, shoot them. So you had to pay attention to the detail of, uh, you know, was everyone watching, uh, you know, their hair, was the clothing, uh, you know, out of line, you know, were they smiling? Uh, you know, how, where were the hands? And uh, and you had about maybe five to six minutes to shoot three pictures of a, a family or, or children. And then if the, the child is crying, you have to figure out a way to get him to smile with bubbles or little puppets and stuff like that. So I would say um, pay attention to the, uh, the, pe the people you're shooting, you know, make sure they're, uh, you can see everybody, the heights, and uh, sit people down. You know, we would have a table when we're doing certain small people, and then uh, then we'd move the table and everyone would be standing, and there would be a background we've had. It could be Christmas, it could be fall, a fall picture, something like that. And everything was um, pre-focused, so you didn't have to worry about that. And, and everything was filmed. So um, the company wasn't going to let you shoot 39 pictures to get the right picture where you can do it now. But if you look at their clothing and their hair and you you make sure you have the adults and the uh, older kids attention, because if you have a younger person, uh, you have to get him to the most to pay attention because you know how they, they're looking all over the place. So and then make sure. There's nothing sticking out of their head, like a tree or something like that. If you're outside, it, it's it's something you have to learn quickly to uh, see. Uh, and when you shoot hundreds and hundreds of uh, like we did, you it would be automatic of um, taking family photos. And and we used to tell tell people like uh, say mommy has chicken lips or you know something like that, and uh, and you get a laugh hopefully, but. Sometimes you're not going to get any reactions from the families. They're just like, they like zombies and you're just like, hopefully they like what you take. That's kind of how I learned to, to watch details. Wow, that's really interesting. What an intense experience back in the days of film to have to take, you know, the perfect photo in three tries, let's say, especially if it's a bigger family, then it's more challenging. But as you said, that's a skill that gets developed with time. And then you do it automatically. And when you submitted the photos, did you get to speak with those models or did another organization take care of that? Sometimes you would ask, be asked to, uh, hey, can you go and um, sell your pictures you have? And uh, so we would be there at, at a counter and, and, and you know, some, a lot of people were happy. I had pretty good sales, you know, uh, some people you're not going to get no matter what you do. I had one little girl I took and she just wouldn't smile but i got her behind a chair and she looked kind of uh, majestic or, or I, i'm not sure if that's the right word but the mom was mad at me 
she's not smiling. And I'm like, well, she's, well, she always smiles. I'm, I'm saying to myself, I don't think she's ever smiled, but, <laughs> uh, but there was other companies that did the same as us. And, um, I thought it's funny. They would tell the, tell the people that when they ask, what do you do with these pictures if nobody buys them? Oh, we throw them in the dumpster. And they wait afterwards and watch the mothers trying to find them in the dumpster. They would um, staple them right in the middle. It's like, oh, you don't want it? Okay, next. And uh, we didn't do that. But I'm like, that that was great. Because the next mom would come up and say, I'll take them. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's like, so uh, but I met my wife uh, in the company. Uh, so uh, that was the best part of the, uh, she was in New York and Pennsylvania. And um, they didn't like us dating people and stuff. I said, look at um if I screw up, you can fire me. And so they said, all right, we'll keep you together, but we're watching you. But uh, I actually became a, a, a portrait trainer for the company for a while. And uh, it was kind of hard, though. You, you get people who just really shouldn't be photographers, and and you get other people who just really catch on to it. So, yeah, it was a lot of fun experience, but a lot of pressure in the holidays where people lining up and you, you're looking at a line like it's a concert's coming and they're waiting to get tickets. So uh, it was fun, but it could be stressful. Yeah, I understand that. Thank you for sharing that. You've shared so much in the community. So it's interesting to find out more about you. And this is a part of your life that I didn't know about. So I bet that those studios were really cool. And I think it's so interesting when backgrounds can be changed. You know, you can go from like a Christmas backdrop to something else, something simpler. It's just nice to have a setup like that and to work with different kinds of people definitely is difficult because everyone has their own personality. Maybe some people are a bit more difficult to work with than others, but uh, it, do it does help your skills, right? Your communication skills. Also your patience. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> definitely, definitely. Well, you, you would, if you really had bad ones, you would just, because uh, you would just get them to look as fast as you can. Okay. Smile, 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 and then, okay, you're great. That's great. Bye. Because you just can't control them. They were just uh, family that was just chaotic. <laughs> that was the perfect camera sound, the shutter sound. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's a, do you know, do you know lyre birds? Like it's a type of bird. Do I wire birds? Wire birds, yes. So they are good at imitating different sounds, and the only they can imitate camera sounds because sometimes they have wildlife photographers chasing them. So yours sounded exactly like a lyre bird. I've never heard of that. That's cool. I'll have to send you a link to a video later. It's really fascinating. But yeah, as you've mentioned in the community, editing is a really amazing creative outlet and an opportunity for you to enhance your photographs even more. We mentioned earlier that you use Luminar Neo. Would you recommend this program to the listeners? Oh, yeah. It's uh, a lot easier than um, Photoshop and Lightroom. And uh, they have a great training course. It's AI. So it, and I'm sure Photoshop is, it has AI and, and they're, they're still ahead of us. But I'm finding I can do so much with this and they're, it's kind of an easy, easy uh, program to uh, master a little. I mean, I've never done levitation and, and make things disappear, uh, but it, it took me uh, uh, maybe a week to understand. Maybe my brain's not as fast as some other people, but a, a nice laid out system and they're improving constantly. You showed a, uh, a thing where you can expand 
the photograph, even though it's not there in the photograph. Uh, do you remember that? Yes, uh, generative fill in Photoshop. Yeah, and now Lumen is going to have that. Their um, panorama, where they stitch photographs together. I said, oh, this is going to be tough. No, I just got six or eight, eight or ten pictures of that photo I took for one of the uh, uh, courses, and I slid them into this thing on the side of the uh, editing tool, and I hit a button, and it, all these things were bouncing around, and then it showed up. How do you want to crop this? Because they kind of had to move each slide up and down a little just to match it. And then I said, okay, this way. And boom, it was done. <laughs> I was like, well, that was easy. <laughs> so. yeah. yeah, it's so exciting. AI has its limitations, and I know people have a lot of opinions about it. But when it comes to editing programs, I mean, I... I applaud it, especially when it comes to panoramic photos and generative fill, if you want to widen a certain image and make it look more dynamic. I mean, there's just so many options now. It's very exciting. But uh, everything I put on um, in the community is uh, Lumina. I was with them when it started out to be Aurora. It was very simple, but uh, it was simple enough for me to to make my pictures look better. And then they went. they had four different steps, and now they're Lumina Neo. They just keep getting better and better. And uh, I think eventually some some company is going to just make it where you hit it and, and it just takes care of everything and that's it. Mm-hmm. You, know, you know, and that kind of kills it then. I agree with you. Yeah, I think it's important to have control and to guide AI to a certain degree in an editing program. And so, yeah, I mean, I'm really glad that you found a program that works for you. And it's something I'm really curious about as well. So I'm going to check it out. By the way, this isn't sponsored to anyone who's listening. <laughs> <laughs> I just made two hundred dollars for talking about this. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it would be amazing though. Yeah, okay. that'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> How can people find you online? I have it under uh, Dadmeister sixty nine. I just turned sixty nine, and Dadmeister was a name I got from when I played uh, World of Warcraft with my kids, and uh, I was a mage. It's not professional, you know, it's not, you know, uh, Steve's black and white photography, um, but it's different. And I use Dadmeister in the community because there's so many Stevens that uh, it kind of sets me apart where I know they're talking about me. So, but yeah, I, um, I'm on Dadmeister 69. Okay, I'll make sure to link to Steven's work in the description. By the way, it really does make you stand out. <laughs> I kept wondering <laughs> about that username. I was like, well, what is the, the meaning? <laughs> <laughs> That's the meaning. Uh, I was uh, hoping you asked me because I wanted to explain because people are you know, probably looking like, his name's Stephen. Where does that come from? So, uh, <laughs> I thought it had something to do with music. I told <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, oh, uh, Well, my, my email is cool with jazz and, and people ask me, are you a jazz person? Uh, only on air guitar or something like that, you know, so. Okay, well, thank you for explaining that. Well, Stephen, I have one more question for you, and that is, what is the one thing you'd like to achieve in this great big photography world? Well, being on a podcast, I never thought I'd be doing this. So I tell everyone I'm on a podcast around the world. So uh, whoever wants to hear me, I'll be around the world. I'm, so that's kind of cool. I like to be able to have a photo show uh, uh, of my photography, or even with other photographers. That'd be one of my goals. I 
I did put one of my pictures I, out, a photo contest that was in a, a, a hallway or, or building uh, that was uh, was running it. And uh, I, I got first place in one of the things I did. It was a, a morning sun in Nantucket. Uh, I just got off the boat to do a job for, for not it wasn't photography. And I had my camera that ran off the boat and it was just bright colors of red and orange and stuff and i took it and then um i was surprised i won i was like cool even if nobody showed up and i just had scones there for them to eat that'd be fine i think that's such a great goal and i'm sure people would show up not just for the scones but also (laughs) so yeah i I do i do make good scones i'm told so i i that's i guess that's my forte yes that would be a bonus (laughs) yeah, <laughs> your photos are always improving and i really hope that you get the opportunity to have multiple photo shows and exhibitions because it's such a pleasure to see your work and especially how diverse it is as well and i really hope to continue seeing your amazing pictures in the community and i want to thank you for such a fun episode i laughed a lot <laughs> <laughs> very much for the humor and for the knowledge and i hope that the listeners enjoyed listening to this episode as well and i look forward to seeing more of your photos as i said and once again thank you so much for your time um, i'm glad you enjoyed yourself i enjoyed this and uh, you did make me feel comfortable and uh, a shout out to the community uh, you guys are doing great thank you so much Stephen. all right take care Thank you very much for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed it, and I hope that Stephen's story inspired you in some way. If you want to support us, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. You can do that by going to photographycourse.net slash supporter, or by clicking on the link in the description. There will be a link to Apple Podcasts where you can leave a review. Every single review means a lot to us, so if you could take a few minutes to write something about us, then we really, really appreciate it. Thank you very much for your time. I'll see you next week. There's a simple reason why PhotographyCourse.net is the highest rated photography community in the world. It's because the people who use it made it that way. Why not join us right now? Improve your skills, get exposure, and discover an exciting new world of photography. While you're at it, claim your special discount code by going to PhotographyCourse.net and entering the coupon code PODCAST to get 50% off your first year as a premium member.